In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a brilliant chat with Julia Spicer, founder of two regional businesses based in Gundawindi in Queensland, Engage and Create Consulting and the Gundawindi Business Hub. Julia and I met recently at the Queensland Rural, Regional and Remote Women's Network Conference where I did a workshop. This was a fantastic conference to be a part of. But actually, Julia and I know each other from way back when, when I was living in Roma. Julia's mission is to contribute to the vibrancy and viability of rural and regional Australia by helping businesses grow. So she was an obvious choice to interview for our Spotlight on the Region series. In this episode, Julia tells us about her background in regional Queensland and what sparked her interest in smart concepts and how they can provide real opportunities for small communities in regional areas. We discuss the concepts of resourcefulness and resilience as objectives for smart regions, how the social fabric of a small town can be a blessing and a curse, and why it's so important for communities to have a sense of control of their own destiny. Julia shares a bit about the opportunities and challenges that face regional communities to do with leadership, integration, and narrowing funding models. These can limit the ability to solve problems quickly. We talk about supporting regional employment through drought and the Townsville Flood Recovery Centre as a great example of effective integration of many different disciplines, industries and governments, as well as community groups. We cover the need for digital connectivity and the divide that still exists between regional and metro areas in accessing it. Julia tells us about the emerging trend of women in agribusiness and their role in regional economic development. And she shares a quote about women changing the world, but she can't remember the author. We've looked it up. It's actually from the Dalai Lama at the 2009 Vancouver Peace Summit. And the correct quote is that the world will be saved by the Western woman. So keep an ear out for that later in our chat. We finish our chat with Julia telling us about some of the projects she's currently working on in her own regional community. So as always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Julia. How are you today? Hello, Zoe. I'm very well. How are you? I am fabulous. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, let's just jump straight in. And can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Sure thing. So I have pretty much lived and worked across southwest Queensland the majority of my life. I grew up north of Roma uh, in Western Queensland and now called Gundawindi Home and have done for a bit over a decade. Um, my background uh, training-wise, I guess, has been always in environmental science. So most of my work has been in uh, extension roles around sustainable ag uh, in the horticulture industry and then with land care and catchment groups across uh, southwest Queensland for a long time. And I guess through the variety of roles and jobs that I've had, um, it's really helped me to kind of get clear on what my passions are, uh, which is certainly one of the reasons I was happy to talk with you on the podcast. But I guess really for me, it's around how we can be really proud of the regional communities where we live. Uh, and how we can be always working towards a viable and vibrant 
um, rural and regional Australia. I guess that's really where my passion and what I like to do is linked to. And then what that looks like from a day-to-day work is really working with small businesses and community groups around strategic planning, uh, helping access resources for people to do what they want to do. And I guess also really just working with people around how they can get clarity on their ideas and what they want to be doing. So I'm really lucky to, you know, call that work, I guess. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Now, what sparked your interest in this kind of community space? Now, I know, you know, we, we met at, a, at an awesome conference. When was that? September. Mm. Um, and that was such a great conference to just hang out with some awesome women um and I know you're not in the smart city space per se but you're actually in the smart community space uh, which is why I wanted to get you on the podcast so what kind of interest do you or sparked your interest in this community space um I guess for me there's a couple of things I was really grateful uh or lucky whatever we want to how we want to describe it I was really lucky to grow up in a small community and went to a small school down the road from my mum and dad's property uh, where we had a hall and a tennis club and the small school. And that really was the meeting place for our, our little community of Bymount. And we grew up as kids, we grew up with the expectation that we volunteered and we did something for the greater good. Um, and we did something that would maybe not necessarily benefit us or wasn't of interest to us, but it was what we needed to do for our community um, to be able to continue to do the things that it needed to do. And, and I guess the piece that I took out of that is, you know, I, I am not a believer of waiting for others to do something when I can do it. And therefore, I'm also not really a believer of asking permission to do things um, when I think actually a, a group of volunteers can. So I don't know if that really makes sense, but one of the reasons why I love living in smaller communities is because we really have the opportunity to create our future. We really have the ability to say, this is what the Gundawindi community needs and there's enough of us here who are willing to do the work for that to happen and we don't actually need permission from federal or state or local government or an industry group or this or that. We actually, as a community, can make the decisions and implement it ourselves. And, and that's, I guess, you know, why I am as passionate as I am about rural communities. Hmm. I should also mention that I guess we grew up um, mm-hmm. in similar areas. So I'm from Roma originally and my my well your mum was my sister's French teacher for many years favorite teacher I should say as well um and I also really love that community feel um sometimes it was a bit annoying because everybody knew me considering and because my parents ran the cinema in Roma where every person has gone every person who ever lived in Roma or around the area has gone at some point in their life as well so I would Everyone would know who I who I was, which sometimes, you know, you couldn't get away with anything um, and it's good to get out of that. But then just going back to the community feel, it's starting these things from real, real grassroots um, is, is something that I just don't know how you emulate in a larger place um, or a larger city. 
I think that's a really valid point that you raise because for me there is something about being seen and being noticed and I don't mean that in a showy sense I mean that in there is less chance you hope or I hope for people to flip through the cracks in little communities because you notice if Zoe's not acting her usual bubbly self today or you notice if um, you know, Zoe hasn't been at tennis for the last three or four months and before that she always came to think, you know, that sort of stuff is noticed in small communities simply because there's not that many of us. And so that ability to be able to support, to connect, you know, like you say, it can be a bit frustrating sometimes when everybody does know everybody and therefore thinks they know everything. But the flip of that is the ability to see people, really see people, is much stronger simply because there's not that many of us. Yeah, no, I think that's true too. And and sometimes like that is invisible until or you don't really notice it until you do move to like a big city and then you realise that that piece is missing, um, that you're like, oh, no one really cares if I, you know, don't show up to this thing because everyone's got their own stuff to deal with. Whereas, yeah, in Roma, if I didn't show up to something someone somewhere would ask oh why why weren't you there or whatever and oh you're okay are you just checking in and yes you know you might just have done something else that day or you might not be okay you might need someone to kind of talk to and that social fabric um is there and I mean I guess you have that in bigger cities as well but it's more like pockets so you have to really find it whereas I think if you you know it's not hard to find in a small regional town yeah Hmm. okay What is a smart community to you? Uh, So I guess for me maybe it's around uh, some of the things we've already kind of touched on, but it really is around the ability for a community to feel that it has a sense of control of its destiny, where it feels that it is creating the future that it wants to be part of rather than that future being um, given to them by an entity, whether that's a government entity at a local, state or federal level or, you know, that they really are part of and very active in um, the future that they are they are looking for. And, and if that's the case, then the next part of it is really about looking at what are the, what are the resources, um, people, um, natural resources, financially, whatever, you know, however we define the resources, uh, you know, what are those resources that we have in our community and how are we best using them? Mm, yes, I like that because I've been thinking about, um, so I've, I've made these workshop cards from the podcast and one of the, the seven like key areas that uh, the themes that I've picked up along the way um, and one of them is resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Um and I just think that's so important because from a because you can pull it from so many different angles, um, exactly like you were just saying, those financial resources or those, I don't know, um, natural resources that that town might have or, um, you know, human resources, like maybe we have a university here or, a you know, a, um, a distance education facility or something like that that we can really um, pull on. Or we've got partnerships with a, a university in the US or something like that because we're really focusing on, I don't know, drone technology or something, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and I also think that now those that resourcefulness, well, it always was and I think it's um, 
you know, even more so now or even more prominent in the media and those type of things, but our resources that, you know, we need to be using more wisely, like water, um, you know, um, all the environmental uh, resources that we use day to day, being much more conscious of how that, how that, how we're using those things and how it works and, and what we want that to look like in the future as well. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think as a community, if we can be really clear on what it is we want our community to look like, what are the values, what are the characteristics of the people that live in our community, and I don't mean that from a, you know, um, financial point of view or a social standing point of view. I mean, you know, we want a community where people value volunteering and we are all prepared to give of our time. We want a community where, uh, you know, people uh, want to come and raise a family here, whatever that might look like. Um, and then what do we need to do to encourage that? Uh, I think they're the, they're the conversations that communities, the further west we go in Queensland, uh, they're the conversations that we need to be having because we know that it is tough at the moment. You know, we have got, uh, you know, a horrendous drought. We've got fires. We've got all sorts. You know, we do have massive water issues. Um, and so it's difficult at the moment to be kind of sitting in a really strategic place looking at where we want our community to be. Uh, but how we how we actually can, at times like this, keep front and centre what it is, what's important to us as these community members. I think that's that's part of what will get us through these difficult times. Mm-hmm. I think that resilience piece, and I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but um, I've been doing some thinking and talking to people about how, you know, when times are, are really tough, the focus gets thrown, like the spotlight gets thrown on, um, you know, the areas doing it tough and, you know, funding and, and these things become available. But is there a way, is there a mechanism, is there the focus to actually release some of that funding, whatever it is, what the mechanisms to make available so then we are building resilience not just in tough times, that we're continuing to build it so then when we do reach those tough times, hopefully they're not as tough as we um, have experienced in the past or they'll be different um, but we we have built in those these these strategic things that get pushed to the side until we really 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 need them, um, and actually, if we make that uh, you know part of the way that we that we work, and, and I think that's the smart thing, right? It's whatever you term uh, people don't like the term smart necessarily, but that's what it actually means to me that we we make better use of the resources that we have. And resources being minds as well. What are the young people talking about in regional areas? What are the people that have lived there forever talking about? We don't just want one or, you know, one or the other. We actually want both of those people in the room um, so then we can actually have these conversations and make real change. Because I think if we're only continuing to literally put out fires, um, unfortunately, but actually what can we do to start, um, you know, building that resilience in rather than, um, just having to bounce back all the time um can we actually can you know build some of that stuff in now um with with focus and energy and effort i think that is a real challenge and i think where there is the opportunity for uh there to be some real leadership around um you know your your question around better integration and and 
and how things look for me. And, and, and I'm purely talking about this from a community point of view and a regional community because that's my, that's my space. So I'm not necessarily wanting to say that none of this happens in the city. I'm sure that it does. That's just not my place that I live and know. But I think that the challenge is there is such integration, you know, a drought impacts the main street of a small community town pretty quickly, you know. Things that happen in agriculture impact small business here perhaps more than they would in a larger area. Uh, you know, agriculture impacts schooling numbers depending on whether families are moving to the town or moving away, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So there's so much more linkage to what's happening. Um, access to healthcare services, all of the rest of it. So, so part of the challenge is that, that none of our funding models are set up in that way. So, so we're wanting to be able to create this really holistic vision for a community and yet that's not the way that anything is really set up in a funding or a program or a support way. You know, you've got to go to the health person or the small business person or the agriculture person or the whatever, whatever. So... So we're wanting people to be innovative and new and thinking about all of these things, but a lot of our programs or processes don't actually support that. And so a community like Gundawindi um, comes up with a proposal and, and a real example at the moment is this community has come up with a proposal around how they would like to really focus on supporting employment through drought. Uh, and when we talk to lots of different people within government at a state and federal level, uh, the project concept they love, but it doesn't fit anybody's criteria for funding. And so to get things happening is really challenging. And every week that somebody else says, this is a good project, you should talk to this person, we've got two or three families leaving the region. They're not going to come back when it rains, Zoe. So, so there's the ability to deal with things quickly um, is, is, is sometimes a real challenge when it doesn't fit a specific program or whatever it might be and yet there's really great examples so I was in Townsville the other week and we got to visit the flood recovery centre that um, that has been set up there to help people uh, during the floods over the last 12 months and it is just the most brilliant example of local state and federal government working together of not-for-profit and uh, community-based organisations working with government groups, of uh, consultants coming in and offering support, just absolutely brilliant. And so visiting this place, I'm, I'm leaving going, okay, so how does this become business as usual? How can we really get our resources to work? There's, there was no sense of, you know, competition over whose logo is biggest on the wall or the door or, you know, some of that stuff that filters in sometimes. It is such a great example of how when the chips are down, everybody can come together and work together because they're really clear on what the purpose and the outcome needs to be. And I just, I look at it and I think this is just brilliant. How do we get to a point where this is our business as usual, where we know that there will be floods and fires and droughts in this country, uh, but actually that's not the only time when we can all come together and work well, that we can actually do this on a regular basis and it just kicks up a gear when there's some sort of natural disaster or emergency. It's a, it's a really great example. Yes, and that's 
what I was trying to say before, I guess, and you just said it so much better. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> because that's so true. Like I did um, community recovery when I was working at Transport and Main Roads. Um, and so I went out to Roma. I, they called it volunteering, but it wasn't really. I got paid by the government to be there. But I, um, you know, instead of doing my regular job, I came and, um, you know, did handed out grant money and stuff like that. But yeah, you are so right. I was just thinking like a person went there and they went, okay, cool. Um, yep, this is where I live. This is what happened. Da, da, da. And then they just went from all the things that you needed were kind of there, or you could be directed quite easily to them. And so, so but, you know, we got training that was very multidisciplinary, actually, now that I think about it. Um, and, you know, yes, I was an engineer and the person sitting next to me was a, you know, I don't know, community engagement expert or whatever. Mm. Like, and, you know, there was obviously management trying to work out who was doing what, but it was very much, okay, cool, we need humans be doing this um and talking to other humans and a lot of it was um you know counseling not in a you know um, tell me all your problems way but just that human to human contact um for people that were in it was a flood um as well in roma which you know this was three times in three years that uh, these people my parents included um were flooded and it was, it was really like as much as yeah like a horrible experience obviously with the flooding but you're so right that coming together you know it can be done um because there's a lot of talk of oh well you know it's impossible to do that but we do do it when the you know when when the shit hits the fan um, and we need to we can do it and how can we actually bring that into BAU so and then like you said just turn up the volume when we when we have a um you know have to respond to a disaster or or something else so yeah I, I think that's that's a really important key um, key ingredient I should say or a really important point in this whole smart communities thing is it's actually about how do we bring together the services that people need um, and the things that people need so then they can access it more easily that's the, the smart thing but then the need and and what communities actually want um, is is even more important um, rather than just you know, bring together things that we think, you know, are useful or whatever, um, what are those needs that we need to be addressing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, from a regional perspective or a rural and regional perspective, my take, my personal opinion is that we don't expect to have all the services that we would have in a city um, all of the time, but we expect most of them, some of the time, if that makes sense. So I don't expect that I can have every um, food outlet experience at my disposal here in Gundawindi, but I do hope that I've got, you know, a good restaurant and some good pub meals and some whatever, you know, that we as a community then support. Uh, we, we are really lucky in this community. Our council has done a really good job around uh, multi-purpose buildings. So we have got the most beautiful tiered theatre that you've ever seen in your life and it doubles for our cinema. So we can, um, you know, we have access to both, you know, both opportunities there, but it's not a cinema all the time and it's not a tiered theatre all the time. Um, and I think that's the sort of thing where we can be really clever about how we use our resources. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that regional Australia is currently embracing their smart community concept? Uh, look, I think um, I think it is different across 
the country. I think it is obviously uh, different depending on what else is happening in some of the regional communities. So uh, if you look at where there's a mining community uh, or, you know, that's come in as a secondary industry to a predominantly ag community beforehand, you know, there's been growing pains there, but there's also been some massive opportunities. So I think we need, as a as our communities, we need to be really conscious conscious that this isn't black or white. You know, there's there's going to be shades um, shades of colour in some of this. And so, for us in this part of the world, it's inland rail and what are the opportunities that that brings, and how do people make sure that they're really educated around it and can see how and where they can be part of the opportunity. Um, you know, in your part of the world at Toowoomba, between an airport and a bypass, there's there's been lots of opportunity for businesses if they were able to be proactive and if they were able to find a way for them to be able to, um, you know, make really good decisions around whether they wanted to be part of that um, or not, but either way that they can, can make their own decisions. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the speakers that you've had on your podcast, Zoe, it's, there is some really great activity and work happening in rural and regional Australia uh, and partly because we can't, you know, this country can't afford financially or otherwise for all of us to live around the coastal band, right? You know, we, we want to make sure that we've got a really vibrant rural and regional Australia because there's still so much opportunity in these parts of the world and so there's some really great work happening around you know, around some of the circular economy side of things. And I know that's a massive buzzword at the moment, but the reality is in terms of what that means for new industries in some of our in some of our regions and the opportunities that can come for that for different training and, and new skills, I just think, you know, there's some really exciting stuff on the horizon at the moment. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think, again, there has to be substance under the buzzwords and I think particularly with circular economy there definitely is um and once you start and I it is a that that training and and informing piece as well which is another um one of one of the key um themes which is being uh informed and empowered um, in our smart communities but anyway sorry the circular economy um I think for regional Australia like the ability now to reuse waste and actually access people that want or you know maybe we don't think of it as waste anymore but those resources it's so important um and and really can open up and you know once we have that focus again it's all about where we're focusing on we can open up some of these streams revenue streams for regional australia um which i think you know we and we don't know what all those are yet that's the thing there's no particular answer um per se but there's definitely opportunities that we need to start exploring in that space for sure and I, I'm assuming that these exploration pieces are already happening knowing from some of the the work that's happening in that space so yeah it's, it's a really big opportunity I think and if we start you know actually thinking of it as yes it's uh can be a challenge but then what opportunities come from those challenges as well 100 percent, I agree mm-hmm. And I think for regional Australia, rural rural and regional Australia, that basic level of connectivity is so important. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, do you, have you had experiences where that connectivity has really changed the way you've done something or changed the way you've seen a region um, or a community grow or do something different? 
Uh, are we talking in terms of sort of digital connectivity and literally yeah. the internet? Um, yep. Oh, look, I think if we could, um, certainly if we look at the ag industry, if we could have business and, um, you know, some of our more remote properties have decent internet, the opportunities for growth are, are huge. So even just within this Gundawindi area, you know, we will often have, you know, people are spending a lot of their own money to put up towers to make sure that they are able to access the internet. And as a result of that, you know, they're able to uh, forward, forward sell more grain or they're able to have more ability to get an understanding of their pricing. They're able to, you know, look at how they can grow their business and access other bits and pieces. So I do genuinely think that better connectivity will equal more jobs in rural and regional Australia. And I think it is pretty amazing that we are a first world country and there's third world countries that have better internet than, than we do. And I understand that we're a really big country. So I think we need to look at how we can be innovative with that and and the work that the Co guys are doing and, you know, how do we link it to other infrastructure in the, you know, that the regions do have, I think that is going to be really important. But I, but I do think that that is, you know, I don't, I don't really get too worked up about the, you know, regional and city divide and all of that kind of thing, other than when it comes to connectivity. I think that is something that really does put us uh, on the back foot. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's let's talk about the future and what do you think the emerging trends are that people aren't talking about enough? I mean, particularly in regional Australia. Um, so, so a couple of a couple of positive things, I think, and 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 maybe a couple of challenges. So, somebody much smarter than me said, and I can't remember who it was, so I don't have the quote. But you might be, um, Zoe, you might be able to um, know who said it but basically that the world will change based on middle-class white women. Around, around the world, it will be middle-class white women that raise people out of poverty, that change, um, you know, issues with racism and sexism and all of the rest of it. That, that They're the group, they're the demographic of people that are going to make the change. And I think that the same could be said at an Australian level of regional women. If we look at the, you know, the most growth for business is often in women. It's particularly, you know, it's often the country women who are looking at the off-farm income to be able to support business. You look at the work of the hashtag, you know, buy from the bush. I really think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is the role of women in agribusiness. And that doesn't necessarily mean somebody driving the tractor or building the fence. So I am looking forward to over the next few years seeing how we talk more about the role that women play in regional economic development and therefore what changes for the broader community as a result of of us paying more attention to that. So what does that mean in terms of, you know, people living uh, in a lower socioeconomic situation? What does that mean for domestic violence? What does that mean for, uh, you know, mental health challenges? I think that if we can look at and focus on the role that regional women play in that economic development space, we will also see a positive flow on for a whole lot of other challenges that our communities are seeing at the moment. And I am excited for, for 
for that. And I think, you know, at a really, not small, but at a really good current example around the, the flow on benefits of the buy from the bush initiative you know i'm looking forward to seeing more of that kind of work and it really being able to have a tangible um, outcome and people really seeing the role that, that women are playing in our in our areas that really excites me which means that one of the you know one of the things that i think we also then need to look at is the role of leadership in our communities and um and, you know, the challenge at the moment that everyone wants to be popular as opposed to actually productive and getting stuff done and, and, and making decisions and, um, you know, having the fortitude to make a decision knowing that it might not be popular but it's the right thing to do and how do we communicate that and how do we engage people in these conversations and how do we make movement and, and move in, you know, keep progressing forward, um, I think... Uh, you know, at a local community level, there's good examples of leadership and how do we scale that up to, to look at what that means across regions or states or federally. So I guess from a positive point of view, I'm excited to see the role of regional women. I, I am still um, curious around some of the leadership that we have at different levels um, and really how do we all individually make sure that what we're doing is productive um, which might sometimes mean it's not actually popular. It might not get likes, comments, whatever, um, but it is something that will progress our community. And, and I think that'll be a really interesting space to look at. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, similar, like we were having a bit of a conversation um, pre-recording about how we can actually you know, bring regional people maybe into different regions or why people are in the regions like you know when we're talking about business um, when we bring in experts can we actually find experts within our region um, to talk to other people or do we have to hire in from cities and sometimes you know it depends on the skill sets and all those type of things but then that connection piece um, and now we're talking not um, internet connectivity but that human connectivity actually being able to pull in um, or understand context uh, because it's very different, like you said, to run. It's very different running a, a metro-based uh, accounting firm in the middle of uh, Brisbane than it is running one, you know, on a property in Gundawindi, for example. Um, and then how do you have some of those conversations um, with people, like to help them, so small businesses, um, whilst understanding the context? Because there's no point in, you know, saying to them, oh, yeah, just get your your accounts guide to um, to just you know send out those invoices when really yeah it's a it's a one um, man or woman shop um, and they have to do everything so and, and there's no opportunity to hire people at this stage so how do we actually work within within those confines um, and I think it's really important that we recognise those things as not just a you know when you bring in someone that can it can be a damaging effect it can actually put people off from starting their own businesses when actually you know um you know it might be a great thing to be doing challenging obviously but um you know they've been put off because they've got the wrong information or the wrong information for their context mm. and i think just as you're talking the other thing that sort of springs to mind is how we make sure we're not comparing our year one of business with somebody else's year 10, you know, um, or five or whatever, um, and and also comparing community to community a little bit, you know. So 
there's lots of communities in drought. Um, you know, there's lots of similarities between a St George and a Gundawindi, but there's also enough differences that mean how St George reacts to this will be different than a Gundawindi or a, how Roma's dealt with coal seam gas might be slightly different to how Emerald deals with it. So how we make sure we can, uh, what's the saying, comparison is a thief of joy. How do we kind of make sure that I'm not looking at somebody who's had a business for 20 years when I've had mine for seven and wonder why I'm not doing nearly the things that they're doing will be um, be really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess and that, yeah, just drawing those parallels to communities, like you were saying, that um, when we're learning from communities, um, we don't want to just hear about the exceptional stories. Uh, we don't want to start that comparison, but we want to hear about the learnings as well. Um, so, you know, they didn't get to 10 years uh, by just being awesome the whole time um, you know we're always going to fail and learn but people are I guess less willing to share those things because you know there is an expert whereas if they failed then maybe they wouldn't be invited there in the first place anyway that's kind of a bit of a different thing but something I just think about as you were talking those sharing but I think that's a really key piece and you know something that um, hopefully communities are prepared to share or individuals in communities are prepared to share around how we don't have such a fear of failure and and how we can actually give people the space to to talk about it there's lots of things if I could go back in time I would change not because I'm not happy about where I am but I know more now so when you know better you do better and you know people are happy to share what hasn't worked for them if it means that they can save somebody else sort of going down that heartache in their own business or whatever it might be. Mm. Now I forgot to ask you to tell us about some of the projects and things that you're currently working on. Uh, so we are um, we're really excited to be able to be continuing some work that we've been doing for the last few years across both the Gundawindi Regional Council and Belonchai Councils. Uh, so we'll be doing some work with Belonchai Council, uh, looking at supporting uh, businesses across three industries, tourism, small business and the ag and hort sector out there around business mentoring. So what are the opportunities Uh, What are the, you know, what's the expertise that a business might be lacking there and how can we help them find that that person or find the, you know, the piece of the puzzle that they might be missing? Uh, We'll also be looking at, you know, what are some of the training and skills development that business communities across the Belonchai want to be able to focus on? So we're really looking forward to that because it's, um, you know, there's some really great communities, Deer and Bandy, St George, Fallon, Bolland. So we're really looking forward to, to that project. And we've been doing some work for the last few years uh, with the communities of Tumala, Bogabilla and Gundawindi, uh, particularly looking at Indigenous employment, but also people who are looking to start small businesses or micro businesses. So um, 2020, we'll see some more work in that space. And I guess really for us, being able to continue to look at what the message is and the the purpose, what can engage and create, where can we add value and where can we build capacity in communities so that people are able to do, you know, really that they're able to do what they want to do in their business or community organisation. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. And, yeah, I'm keen to chat with you more about getting out there in the regions as well obviously love to have you yeah something I'm very passionate about I'd rather be driving west than east 
because I I feel like it's where it's where I belong out there. <laughs> I can kind of fit into the other spaces, but I just love being. I mean, I live in Toowoomba, um, which is a really nice mix for me of being you know big enough that I've got everything and uh, that I need and and want and all those things and got my airport I can fly overseas and all those type of things um, but then being able to access uh, regional Australia as well and um, how to make a real impact and bringing this smart city thing a smart community thing I should say uh, to our regional areas because there's no better time now and it there's there's should be no barriers now from this whole you know distance thing that we had before because if we've got connectivity we can connect and from a human perspective as well and then making the effort to actually get out and understand the context and getting to the regional areas and and like you said bring those skill sets and teach those skill sets and um you know pass on knowledge and start um starting the conversation I guess and that we are that people in regional areas need to be part of this smart community conversation otherwise we're you know we're missing a very 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 important part of the population so yeah yeah. absolutely you know the other thing that I, I would I guess like to put on the table is um you know there's some really exciting things happening in Toowoomba at the moment and that actually is of benefit to all of the rest of us in the broader region you know if Toowoomba is doing well that actually is really important to the Gundawindis and the St Georges and the Romas and the Dolbys and all of the rest of it. So this isn't about every regional little town having or every regional centre having its own airport. This is about, you know, us being able to now make the most of the opportunities because of what's happening in Toowoomba. How do we make sure that there's, you know, that those benefits are identified and and actioned on across the region so you know it is really important that uh, Toowoomba does well it is really important that Brisbane does well Rocky Cairns all the rest of it because that actually is really important for some of the regions as well so I don't think this is an either or thing this is a and now what kind of a opportunity yes I love that thank you so much for putting that on the table too because it's so important because we're we need to work together more than ever. Um, the polarisation in the world and in Australia and everywhere um, doesn't actually help us um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're, all, we're all here and we all need to, um, you know, continue to live this life and, and, and where we're choosing to live and, and the best of it because, you know, we have this one planet, this one, you know, environment and using those resources, we really need to start thinking a bit more about how those things interconnect, which is exactly what you were saying, that, you know, if you're in the middle of Brisbane, you might not feel the effects of the drought per se. Um, you know, if you're just an over average, you can still buy your, your takeaway down the street or whatever, I don't know. But when you're in, in Aroma or, um, you know, Gundawindi when shops are closing or the kids aren't at school and, and you, you can really feel those effects of those things on the community because they are so integrated and connected. And, it, you know, eventually it spreads out to everybody else as well. Um, but we're just seeing, you know, you see the effects first where, where it's really hitting home. So I just think we need to have more conversations. We need to, you know, start that connection, both human and, you know, basic connectivity. And I think the focus, like you were saying, um, we can do it when it's times are tough, but can we actually do it all the time? Um, so then we can actually, you know, we don't have to get to that really tough uh, rock bottom situation where we, you know, have to reach out or can we actually just access these things when we need and want to? 
Mm, I agree. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. So thank you again so much for coming onto the podcast. Pleasure, Zoe. I enjoy listening to this podcast as I trip around the countryside. So you're doing a really great job in terms of getting the message out. So well done and um, all the best for, um, for the podcast into the future. Thank you. That's really awesome to hear. Thanks a lot. Um, I just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me however they'd like. Uh, my email address is julia at engageandcreateconsulting.com.au. We've got a Facebook page. If you just Google or Facebook search Engage and Create Consulting uh, and same on Instagram. I think on Instagram it might just be Engage and Create. But, yeah, happy if people Google me, they'll track me down somehow or other. Um, But happy for people to contact through any of those avenues. Excellent. Well, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. We will put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. Thank you. I look forward to our next conversation. Great, Zoe. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're trying to deal with disruption, not sure what technologies to buy, need to facilitate genuine collaboration, then we can help. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community forward slash consulting. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.